listening to The Atomic Geeks, a podcast covering movies, TV, comic books, video games, and everything in between. So geeky. Hello and welcome back to The Atomic Geeks Podcast. My name is Michael DiGiovanni. This is episode 137, and I'm planted in the captain's chair. And while I'm doing that, I'm podcasting under the influence because I'm drinking me a giant bottle of Muskoka Harvest Ale. Let's see what other Kryptonian criminals are joining me. Well, hello, Michael and everyone else. It's Andrew Bloom. I'm calling in from the Phantom Zone, and I uh, managed to sneak in a bottle of Lake of Bay's Brewing Company Mocha Porter. Hello, hello. It's Mike Downs here. I'm in Niagara Falls, like I was on my wedding night, and I'm sitting here podcasting and drinking root beer. At least beer's in the name. Oh, hello, Internet. It's your pal Christian from the town of Oakville, podcasting from the storeroom at the Daily Planet. And I'm here with a really nice suit. Who would hang a suit in a storeroom? Anyway, in my hand, I'm drinking a cold can of Keystone Lager. I'm not exactly sure what a Keystone is, but if it's made lager, it tastes good in my belly. I uh, appreciated everyone's uh, subtle references to tonight's topic, especially Downs, because at the beginning I was starting to go like, and I'm like, wait a minute, uh, he's in Niagara Falls? Why didn't he tell us? <laughs> subtle, yes, mine was very subtle. <laughs> oh, okay, well, I think that's pretty much going to wrap maybe. up. Are you drinking my mocha porter? <laughs> yeah, maybe I should have said, hi, it's Christian from the town of Oakland. I'm doing a podcast about Superman 2. I'm only one spoiler alert. I know. That's way too early. I know. It's only in the title of the podcast that they've downloaded right now. Uh, But anyways, enough of this uh, jokey joke. Let's get into some geek news. Geek news. Geek news. And as the host of this show, I thought, what the hell? Let me do everything. I've got some geek news. It was reported on geektyrant.com. That seems to be one of our the more popular sources for the Atomic Geeks here, that a new film is under development. It's another one of those translating TV shows to the big screen. It's And it looks like The Fall Guy is about to get the big screen treatment. Uh, director Martin Campbell, who'd... Uh, worked on the Zorro film and most recently Green Lantern is going to be directing. And the fellas that uh, did the script for the new X-Men First Class are, do, are are taking a crack at the script. So, fellas, is the world ready for a Fall Guy movie? And I should probably <laughs> just ask Christian. <laughs> Well, from what I know about the director, I hear he didn't spend a lot of time in school, but he did teach the ladies plenty. Yes, that's the Fall Guy uh, intro song, in case people don't know what we're talking about. I I watched the hell out of that show when I was a kid. I loved it. I remember watching Lee Majors and that blonde chick. Which blonde chick was it again? I always get her confused with Heather uh, Thomas. Heather Thomas, I I get her confused with Heather Locklear. But yeah. Heather Thomas was kind of hotter. Just didn't but, hold up. But, but okay, this is the thing about this, right? I, a lot of us children of the 80s or, you know, late 70s, whatever, have got an affinity for this from a nostalgic perspective. But come on. 
Does this, does anyone give a shit about them making a fall guy movie? Like, can, can that, I mean, is there well, any they put need out the for A-team. this? Yeah, but the A team is at least a property that you could see how they could make into a pretty kick ass action movie. I mean, this is just like, come up with an, uh, some other idea. Like, perhaps, I, it, perhaps they'll make it more like MacGruber. Well, I mean, that would probably be the best bet is if they made it a fucking bit of a farce. But with Martin Campbell behind it, this will just be a farce for all the wrong reasons. I'm the fall guy. I'm falling. Uh, just as an aside, uh, uh, the AT movie I thought was friggin' excellent. I enjoyed the hell out of that movie. I saw that recently on Netflix. Uh, but as far as do I care what they do in the movie form? Not really, because I didn't care that much about the show. But I tell you, the concept of the show is pretty cool to make a movie from, I think. I mean, a bounty hunter that's also a stuntman, I think that's a pretty neat concept. It's a, he's a stunty hunter. Okay, let me throw my two cents in here because um, I was totally excited. I did not hear this news. I love this show. So I was like, awesome. And then you said it was being uh, directed by this guy, and you said the two movies, and I was like, oh, shit. But then the X-Men First Class is a pretty good movie. So, you know, I don't know. I, w- I would be kind of excited if this was done a la Charlie's Angels or something where it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek. I, I think this could be kind of fun and I mean, uh, you know, uh, 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 a blonde, big-titted chick with this uh, stuntman bunny hunter? Sign me up to watch that. But, you know, okay, Martin Campbell, all jokes aside here, uh, you know, people have kind of pissed on him now about Green Lantern. He's a competent director. I mean, the Zorro movies are okay. And he directed two of the James Bond films, including uh, Daniel Craig's first film. Which I the name escapes me, but that was pretty Casino goddamn Royale? good. Casino Royale, yeah, Casino Royale. That's him. That's a good movie. <laughs> I is. thought you were talking about the first movie he ever made, like uh, a house on the river or something like that. <laughs> anyway, sorry, first James Bond film. Got it. Anyway, that's a pretty good fucking movie, though. That makes me feel a lot better. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, actually, same thing. Sorry, DJ. Same thing that you said, Downs. When you're saying that the guys who wrote X Men First Class, I kind of thought. Yeah, that, that adds some cred for me because that movie, although at some points gets a little bit cheesy near the end, is excellent. Like, I love the beginning of that movie. Yeah, but I, I have to default with the fact that this is, I don't, I just don't think this is a that compelling of a premise to make a movie. I mean, and like, yeah. it's just trying to cash in on another one of those TV shows. I, I mean, make a new updated version of this for as a TV series. That could work. A movie, give me a break. Now, Fantasy Island, the movie. I'm or Give Me a Break, the movie. <laughs> or <laughs> Different Strokes, the movie. <laughs> Facts of Life, the movie. That's, I'm all about Are that. you just going to keep listing sitcoms or? <laughs> I was just, I was thinking, I thought we could start a competition, but it's just, it died. Oh, I'm not going to enter that competition. You Mr. Lose. Belvedere. <laughs> Small wonder. Anyway. Dropkick my jacket. Gilligan's Island. The door. No one cares. <laughs> Let's move on to tonight's topic. Uh, and this is one of our franchise topics that we've done a lot of times. That's right, folks. It's time for another movie redo. After the success of Richard Donner's original Superman film in 1978, it was a foregone conclusion that Kal-El would fly again on the big screen. And that he did in 1981 with the aptly named Superman 2. The film was a huge success and enjoyed by most that saw it, but age is a fickle thing because this film may have not aged like a fine Kryptonian wine and coupled with the fact of some news that broke that but there was behind the scenes turmoil, 
fanboy's perspective on the film may have changed. So, it's a redo. That's right, folks. The Atomic Geeks are redoing Superman 2. We are going to make suggestions on how to improve the film, try to take out what didn't work, and make a decision to keep in what did work. Are we going to fire the director? Are we going to keep casting as is? It's our job to improve Superman 2. All right. Well, guys, I have to say this right off the top, that this is probably one of the first times that we're attempting a movie redo for a film, I think, but I'm going to ask you guys nonetheless, that all of us liked. So let's go around the uh, table first and just give me quickly, do do you like Superman 2 or not? Downs. Wow, right to me. Uh, upon watching it, it's an okay movie. I don't think it's as great as I thought, as we all remembered. Andrew Bloom. Uh, as a child, I watched this movie 27 times in a matter of a few weeks. Absolutely loved it. And, uh, yeah, it, age is not a good thing for this movie, but it's not terrible. Christian Nielsen. Yeah, I love this movie, but I will admit that uh, it was probably a mistake uh, to watch it again now, it would probably be better left to my own, you know, jaded memories of what it once was. I'm going to agree with kind of all of you. I mean, I, this, I can never say totally that I don't like this movie. No. The inner, the inner child in me will not allow that. That's it was cool. so important uh, to, to myself and to, it seems, all of us. But as I look back, I think I, you know, I may have been watching them with beer-colored glasses. <laughs> at six years old. Yeah. <laughs> there's some really, really good stuff in this, but there's some total opposite end stuff as well. You know, and this is the thing that comes up, I think, whenever you see movies that don't seem to hold up. It's obviously the audience that has changed. You know, like we've become obviously more jaded and whatever you want to call it as we grow up. The campiness does not appeal to us anymore. Um, and you come to expect different things from your films and maybe, you know, books, comic books, everything that you get. So maybe, you know, the film for its time, uh, it, it rings true that it was great at the time. But now that we watch it again, we've changed quite a bit because obviously the movie hasn't. This well, is true. Uh, you know, let me add, though, you know, I watched this movie with my boys. Well, first of all, a couple things. I watched the Donner Cut. Okay, I, so let me – I have to jump in because I was yeah. going to get to that, Down. Sorry, sorry yep. Yeah. Uh, that for the purpose of uh, today's topic, the the movie that we will be redoing is the original theatrical release of Superman 2. As I mentioned in my intro, there was uh, a lot of controversy that came out that Richard Donner was, you know, was fired or quit, uh, you know, depending on who you talk to. Uh, uh, during the making of this film, uh, Richard Lester came in as director and you know, and that caused a lot of the problems. And later, much later, a director's cut, a Richard Donner director's cut came out that a lot of people have talked about. Uh, we are not redoing that movie. We are redoing the original. But Downs, you have watched the Donner cut. Yeah, that was the cut I watched um, because, you know, we were provided with those Blu-rays from Warner Brothers. So I thought, you know, why don't why not take that look at it and see how much that would impact and but also, I don't want to get into that too much, but the other thing was that I watched this with my boys as well. And, you know, they really 
didn't love this movie either. So to your point, Andrew, you know what I mean? If I, I, I start just, I don't think we've changed. I think times have changed. Yeah. And that's I mean? kind of what I, yeah, I kind of, that's kind of what I meant as well as us. Like you're totally right down. Okay. So now that we've got that out of the way, uh, we, what I, we can understand here is as when we were younger, we all loved this movie. So it holds a special place, but it is, uh, time has maybe ravaged this film somewhat. And that is why my friends and gentle listener, we are redoing Superman two. So guys, we've done this quite a few times. If you go back through the archive of the atomic geeks podcast, you can listen to some of those episodes. So the way we generally start is we have the shooting script of uh Superman two in front of us. Uh, let's get to work. And the way I like to start these things off is very, very high level. So that by that I mean, what is the biggest flaw of the movie? If you're you're we're we're going to work, and the first uh, first thing to do is what has to be changed immediately in order to improve Superman two. What is it? We'll get into other nitty gritty casting director all that stuff. What's the major flaw of the movie? And I'm going to start this uh, with my friend. Christian Nielsen. What is the major flaw? The major flaw, according to me, in this film is the love story. Okay, so uh, interesting choice. Tell me what what it is about the love story that you think doesn't work. Uh, well, the love story basically kind of almost deconstructs uh, Superman as a hero altogether. Everything, all that leads up to, you know, in the, all, all the events that happen during this love story just makes Superman look like the biggest friggin' jackass on the planet. Mm-hmm. It's funny because, Christian, that's that, that's the same thing uh, that I would choose. There, there are two items that, that I would change in this movie uh, if you had to pick major ones. Uh, I agree. It's a love story. That shit is just isn't Superman, and I don't think it fits. Okay, well, so guys. Well, okay, sorry. Let me just jump on that bandwagon, Mike. Sorry, but I, I I agree, especially because it takes so much of the first half of the act of the movie. Is there's no action? It's love story. And again, to my boys, they're going, "Daddy, this is boring." You know what I mean? It's it. There's no Superman action. It's Clark and fucking Lois, you know, yeah. running off and getting married, and nothing really happening. Okay, so that that's very uh, very interesting because you're right. That drives uh, the majority of the story pretty much. Now, the the relationship between Clark and Lois is a big part of the nucleus of what makes Superman good. So obviously they need to have uh, Lois in there with Clark. They need to be an important part of the story. Uh, My major flaw is an extension of what you guys are talking about uh, with the love story. To me, if I could go a step more granular – is I think the major flaw of the film is Superman giving up his powers yes. to be with Lois. I, I am I am encapsulating all of that in the love story. The yeah. whole him giving up his powers, the fact that he you know so easily tells Lois who he is, and you know all the way yeah. up to to the you know point where we'll talk about later him kissing the memory out of her head. This yeah. is the whole thing stinks. I, yeah, I don't think the love story drives the movie at all. I think you could eliminate that altogether, like just edit out all those parts, and the only thing that wouldn't make sense is like where's Superman, but everything else would be fine. Right, right. Find, and, and, yeah, you could find. And you know what? There's no reason to worry about that because there's three of the Kryptonians. It doesn't need to be so much a surprise attack. You know what I mean? Like, or you know, Superman could be off doing something else, and they get a bit of a following. Like, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be. 
that he gives up his powers because there's yeah. three of them. You you have you still have the fight. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally I totally agree. And I think I think what this Superman movie and all Superman movies suffer from the same thing: not enough fucking action. Well, it's Superman. Give us big action. And this is maybe the budget or the special effects or whatever you can say at the time in the early 80s for this one. But even Superman Returns doesn't deliver. I, I, I would say this of all of the soup of the I guess it's five Superman films. If we include uh, Brian Singer's one, this one probably has some of the most fighting that we see Superman throw yeah. down. But it, I agree with you guys. It takes a long time to kind of get to that. Uh, not that we need it to be a mindless action movie, but you're right. The romance kind of drags on a bit too long. But mm. let, so let, let's so the major flaw that a lot of you guys are saying about here is it kind of this plodding love story. And you, uh, I, I think it was either Bloom or Downs that mentioned the reveal of super, of Clark Kent being Superman to Lois. Do we oh. think this was necessary in this movie? No. No, I think it's too soon. But you know what I mean? You have Superman, the first movie, which introduces Superman, and Superman 2 already, you have to reveal and get these people together. Yeah. The saddest part of this movie is that ultimately Superman's downfall is not the three Kryptonians or Lex Luthor or Brainiac or anybody. The downfall of Superman is a pink bear rug and a hotel fireplace. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and You know, that's and, what ruined Superman. Exactly. And the other, the other point to it as well is that it goes against Superman's character to do anything so selfish. Thank you, he, Andrew. He gives yep. up all of his powers that he uses to save, you know, the planet for sex? Come on. Like, I, like I know we've talked about this in the past. I'm sure he could just take it easy <laughs> or, but, you know, just not sacrifice that. Yeah, the, I, Andrew, that is exactly, that was in my notes. This, that was something so out of character uh, for Superman that I, that I almost wondered, it's like, should some red kryptonite or something been involved in this for him to have acted so differently? Like for him to say one, uh, yeah, you know what? I'm going to get rid of my powers, uh, for this woman. That That's just nothing super that, that Superman would never be that dumb to do that. I like the fact of uh, uh, an easy way to kind of, if you want to keep this idea of maybe Superman being distracted by the by you know what it is to be human he could have maybe gone off with lois or something and focused on her take her took her traveling around the world or into outer space or whatever it could have done that and then he went oh wait a minute by doing by focusing on just one i've forgotten the many yes. you know and something that, like that's a good point and the thing is too is you could have focused a little bit of time in the movie not very much of it of him saying, listen, Lois, even if they did do the reveal, which is not good, but still could be there, you could give the reveal and say, Lois, I can't do this. Even though I love you and I want to, I can't. And you can spend a little bit of time where he does get distracted, like you're saying, to get drawn back into it. But I don't think you you necessarily need that distraction. I, I think you need Lois Lane, but give me Lois from the first Superman movie, the, you know, the tough reporter that... Clark works with and that's fine but I see in but keep in mind the movie itself is a the arc that it provides uh, using air quotes there uh for for soups and and Clark's and Lois is that that whole dis, uh, distraction like that that right. is a large part of the story the way they decided to choose it is that 
uh, or go with it was she 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 found out he was Superman. He abandons his powers, and then it's like, whoops, he did it at the wrong time. Uh, I think personally, and you guys can disagree with me or agree with me, I think that distraction level is still pivotal to the story. I think he needs to almost go, wait a minute, I uh, to really – you know, to emphasize his importance to the earth is he needs to stay kind of focused a little bit. So I, I would say don't give up his powers. Don't reveal that he's Clark Kent, but maybe get a little lost in Lois for a while. Yeah, but that's Superman's problem in this movie from the very beginning, if you remember, is focus for Christ's sake. So I remember the opening sequence of this movie is awesome. But Clark Kent walks in the Daily Planet. Hey, everybody, what's going on? They say, oh, well, there's a terrorist in the Eiffel Tower with a hydrogen bomb. And Lois Lane is already in France 12 hours ago freaking yeah. reporting it. And he's like, what? What the heck's going on? Like, they don't even explain why the fuck Superman doesn't even know about that, for Christ's sakes. Yeah, that, yeah. that's minor stupidity that I think should be wiped out as well. Yeah, I know. That's, that's what I'm saying. Just focus has been his main problem with this whole fucking movie. Yeah, and I think that's what they're trying to drive home here a little bit. But let's go on to uh, another another side of this, which uh, we've joked about before, but which has to be called out uh, and the, for the purposes of this redo. One, as Andrew illuminated, very out of character for Superman to say, yeah, I'm going to uh, get rid of my powers here so I can uh, get some nookie with uh, this human woman. But two, why in the hell is there a machine in the Fortress of Solitude that provides him this option to take away his powers? <laughs> I mean, why would his parents build that? And number two, why would uh, how would they even know to build that? Because the thing yeah. that's interesting it's obvious the Kryptonians weren't aware that if uh, they if they went to Earth, they would have powers because when the three criminals show up, they're a little surprised that they have these amazing powers. Uh, plus, I think all of you'd have a mass exodus from Krypton. Our plan's going to blow up. But if I go there, I can be a superhero. Let's maybe go there. Yeah, okay, yeah, so I think that's that's definitely overlooked. Uh, and, and the whole logic behind it is just ridiculous. Well, and let me jump in because that's one thing that I, the, uh, Donner cut does address and do a better job of. Um, you know, it's more, uh, created, uh, on demand by Clark, the way it happens a little bit. Um, but in even, uh, another thing that they have just to, you know, spoiler alert on that is that the way he gets his powers back with the crystal and stuff is it, there's a crystal and it's a lot, it's a lot different. It actually makes a little bit more sense. And mm -hmm. to your point, DJ, it's a, it's, uh, you know, uh, Terrence Stamp, uh, Jarrell talks to him a lot more, explains the fact of the powers and, you know, questions him doing it a little bit more. So it is told a little bit more seriously in that cut of the film. But again, you didn't have to have him. And, and it's always, and the other point is it's also treated like a lesson, right? Like when he gets him back, you know, it's a whole different angle. But I agree. You didn't have to take his powers away. He could have been distracted with Lois and, you know, the, uh, the three Kryptonians get there and get to the White House and, you know, he's behind the, eight ball when he comes to town but you know yeah you could still tell that without having giving having him give up his well, powers well that's what i mean it's like uh regardless of how the donner cut addresses that uh i mean uh, it's it's still in the movie and and i just think that is fucking stupid i mean that i just think it's yeah. stupid it, that regardless of how yeah. jor and them explain it that there would be an app for taking away a krypton <laughs> kryptonian's power like that's <laughs> 
Stupid. And I, I tell you, those Kryptonians got to work on a freaking security system for their uh, freaking crystal DVD players, for Christ's sakes. I mean, Lex Luthor comes along and drops a couple of crystals, and he <laughs> is able to totally fuck Superman over, for crying out loud. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, he'd like, he just walk in, find the place, walk in, and start watching <laughs> home videos. Like, That's, how the fuck does that happen? <laughs> you know what? That brings up a whole other point um, that I think I, I, I don't like about this movie anymore is, is Lex Luthor. Now, I know I'm going to probably be greeted by a lot of problems when I say that. Like, I think, sure, Lex Luthor can be in there. He's very campy. He's very jokey in this thing. And, and he's not treated with enough respect for Lex Luthor. Now, the movies I know make Lex a little bit more jokey. And Gene Hackman, I think I, I like him as Lex Luthor a bit, but it's too jokey. Lex Luthor is a criminal mastermind. He's a genius and is thwarted by everybody all the time. It, he needs to be a, have a little bit more balls in this. Yeah, people have been complaining about Lex Luthor, Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor uh, since the first one, basically calling him kind of like a real estate con man, and if anything. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't mind it. He's still somewhat sinister. He still has his ulterior motive. He may not be the most cerebral, but I don't mind his kind of a bit more of his bravado, I guess. I think it's kind of neat. I don't know. I like Gene Hackman's character in this movie, but to me it just doesn't fit Lex Luthor, like I was just saying. So I I, I, don't, I see I would disagree I, I a little bit I mean yeah it's not the Luthor that uh, it may be that it, we all think of maybe in more recent comics but I I, I got to agree with Christian here a little bit I like him I still like Gene Ackman's performance uh, it is a little comical but I think he's necessary still uh, as he's greedily getting involved. Uh, in any plot to try to kill Superman and yeah. you trying to use these Kryptonian, uh, criminals to his advantage. I, I, I really don't mind his involvement in but the film. I'm just saying maybe turn up his involvement a little bit more or his brains a bit more in it because if you're going to remove the, the whole device that takes away Soup's powers, now you've just taken away what Lex does to try and trick everybody. So you need to come up with some better plot. Or involvement for Lex Luthor. I don't know if I agree because, uh, first of all, he still maintains the type of character he is from the first one. And second of all, I don't want to turn him up anymore because I don't want him taken away from probably one of the more perfect things in the movie, which is friggin' Zod and his cohorts. Well, yeah, exactly. But that's why originally, like I'm saying, like you either take him out or, or make him more like Lex Luthor. But okay. Well, no, I, I think, uh, his, what, where he's at now, if, is enough. I think that he rears his head and tries to manipulate the three villains is is enough for Lex to do in the movie. Do, uh, do you, uh, Downs, what are you thinking? I don't love Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor, but if, as a matter of fact, I think in this movie, he it almost makes more sense. Like they were thinking about that when they made the first one so that he couldn't compete with Zod. Because in this one, it, it makes sense that he's a little slimy. And, and I didn't I didn't I don't love him in the first movie, but I, I kind of tolerate him a little bit more in this movie. The Kryptonians need someone as a guide. It makes sense for it to be. Uh, Lex in, in this instance. So I, I actually like him more in this movie than I do in the first movie as Lex Luthor. Interesting. So, okay, so, fellas, uh, what else? We're saying right off the top here that the love story don't work. Too much romance and the, the, the powers stuff is terrible. Uh, do, we kind of agree that Soup still needs to be distracted, uh, focus on, uh, you know, Lois a little bit, and then, you know, obviously have to start dealing with the Kryptonian criminals. It doesn't sound like we're going to, I'm going to get any votes to say that, you know, the idea of Zod 
uh, Ursa and Non is a bad idea. But what other ideas are that come out in this movie are just junk that we need to clean up? So, Christian, uh, Andrew, does anyone else have something that they're like, this is not a good idea. This needs to be cleaned there, up. There's a, there are obviously some minor things, I think, for sure, that have to go. Like the creation of powers that no one ever knew anyone had. That's not a minor thing. <laughs> well, I mean, it, they happen in scenes, but it, it could clean up very easily. Like, uh, well, if we can think about, uh, I can think of three of them off the top of my head. One, the uh, General Zod can pick a man up using his finger lifter gravity power with that white beam that picks the dude up. Okay, what? where did that come from? This is ridiculous. Uh, number two... Superman's jelly S on his shirt, on his on his outfit. That's fucking stupid. Yeah, what was that fruit roll-up fucking logo <laughs> that he threw at the guy? <laughs> like, it, that's the nipples. That's what, you know, Donner's nipples says to Batman, right? See, to me, I, I say this is not a minor uh, little mistake. This fucking and uh, having carte blanche with the mythology of of Krypton is a major issue in the movie. It just, it gets like, these guys can do goddamn anything. They're genies all of a sudden. Like, you know, they're levitating people. They're blinking and making uh, multiple versions of themselves. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's the other one. The other one is the, uh, the memory of race kiss. Come on. The memory. Yeah. Like there's, there's way too much screwing up of, uh, of what, who Superman is. And, you know, we've touched on this multiple times during the podcast, and I think people have probably get this. Superman has a lot of fucking powers already, okay? He can shoot heat vision out of his fucking eyes. The guy's got super breath. He's super strong. It's like, why can't you just exploit those things? Like, why do you have to add in these other pointless fucking powers? It would, it would almost, like, if you wanted to play something on it and say, that the three criminals show up and the yellow sun affects them slightly differently and each of them have one or two minor powers that are a little bit different, sure, I would maybe accept that, but without any explanation and the suit thing is is stupid. But the the best way to do it is just say they're just like Superman. Yeah, and so just to, again, not to ch- talk too much about that Donner cut, all that bullshit is removed from that cut. Even, you know, the bullshit with Non trying to do the I-beams and not being able to, that's not in that version either. It's played very, oh. very straight. Uh, they all they, all they can do is the same thing as Superman can do. You know, I actually didn't really mind that because, I mean, first of all, it shows Non as a kind of a, not like he's he's uh, freaking timid or anything like that, but like he's kind of this stupid, stupid idiot learning his powers. I didn't think it was that bad, actually. Well, you know what? The the, uh, the counteract side of that is that he was played off more like a monster in that other version. It was is really uh, interesting how that ha- comes across. Well, that's not that's not bad either. I mean, can we talk about probably uh, the one of the best slash worst things in the movie uh, after watching this after watching that freaking fight scene? There was so much of that was like, oh my god! But almost such of that was like, oh, that's still good. Okay, so what do you want to talk about? I thought you were going to continue with that. <laughs> well, no, it's just, first of all, a lot of good stuff in that fight scene in fucking Metropolis. Like, you know, please come outside, excellent, 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 throwing buses, shit like that. But, I mean, you know, when they're, the, the friggin' the trio is, like, creating that windstorm, and there's, like, guys on roller skates, and yeah, people two people on things. phones that refuse to get off, and shit like that. That's... All these little mi- minor asides, or people in the crowd going, oh, my God, he looks evil, you know, just 
those those are the jokes that are that seem to plague 80s movies and stuff we've talked about this before even in godzilla the lady still has to have her film shop open while you know godzilla's ripping apart the whole uh new new york but that's one of those laughable things that i think maybe they throw in to make it funny but it's terrible like why would you bother doing that and the fact that superman just kind of looks around and goes uh and flies away is another one that i don't like very much you can keep in when the girl says the big one's as strong as Superman. That's- well, you got to have that one in. Yeah. But yeah, it's that is that might be a function of this film being dated, right? Like you're talking about a film now that's over 30 years old. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and so- I think that's that's the difference. There is something that's terrible because they didn't stick true to the plot or the characters, and, and something that just happens to be. That that works with the times, I think. I know. But, I, I think I think the only reason that they did all that kind of stuff because I don't think at that time they obviously didn't take superheroes as seriously as probably a lot of people still did at that time. But as they do now today, yeah, and I, you know that that's very true. It's like the, I mean, what happened here, and it's it's evident. This is one of the first superhero films, but in general, they pretty much ignored uh, the 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 a lot of what the character was you know they just kind of went and said oh it's a comic book whatever superman's like this let's okay let's make a movie so they didn't maybe treat the uh the the material with respect i think that's probably the best way to put that but you know i i agree even though that is a, a function of it being 30 years old it's never it was probably never good idea to have some of the things that you were describing christian in that action scene i mean it's just silly dumb right mm-hmm. i don't even remember as a kid really liking that no except for the one the guy got hit with the ice cream in the face or the well, chicken well, it's that just is. that's humor well that is pretty that's comedy gold let's be honest yes yes uh so okay guys so let's move on to uh casting uh, uh, on this sucker we've already touched on lex luthor margot kidder uh lois lane i i you know i'm sure everyone's okay with that the Christopher Reeve is Superman. Dara, I don't even know if I want to touch this, but it's been a bit of an ongoing gag on our show about this. Downs, you just would you probably recast Christopher Reeve as Superman on this thing? Well, uh, you know, one of the questions we never really talked about is are we making this movie today or are we making it back then? That's a good question. Because well, I'm think- not sure I would keep Marco Kidder either. I don't love her as Lois Lane either. Um, you yeah, know, plus Christopher Reeve would be really hard to cast right now. It would be difficult to get him for this yes. role. You know what? That, let, let me address that. I think with the function of these redos, uh, we have to say we're making it at the time. It's not a remake, right? It's yeah. no, it's, sure. So we have to say it's 1981, and we're and we're making this movie again. Then, you know, I, I'm not saying it can't be Christopher Reeve. It, you know, for the time, is this the guy for the role? Sure. Uh, you know, it's, I, I just, I, I, we're doing this today. It's not some guy who, you know, he plays it a little slapstick for me. Uh, as I've said before, um, I, I would like just, I don't like that. And he, he's not, when I watch this, he is still a big guy. When I was paying specific attention to that when I was watching this is, do I keep Christopher Reeve or not? Cause I knew this was going to come up. He's a big guy. He just doesn't look really greatly defined. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's also problem. part, that's might be part of the costume too, Downs. And it's funny cause I was reading on the whole bit with, Donner and this, uh, also Richard Lester doing it. And they said in the, in the not, not in the Donner cut, but in the Lester, I believe they're saying that he was a lot heavier and bigger because he continued to work out. 
um, and, and put on size for it. Uh, and if I, I might be, hopefully I don't have that reverse, but he, he has two different body shapes in the movie. And I, you know what? For me, Christopher Reeve is Superman from my childhood and I would not change him at all. What needs to be changed is the direction that's given to Superman, how he acts. None of that fairy landing stuff or real soft stuff. I think that can be changed. And I think Superman or Christopher Reeve could handle Superman with the right direction. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I, you're not going to get any argument from me, and I'm pretty sure Christian on that one. Uh, and are we all pretty rock solid on the three criminals here? Like, Terrence Stamp owns the role of General oh, Shaw. Yeah. Guy is so awesome in this movie. The only problem I have with him, uh, the one part I have problem with the, Zod is when he lands on in that lake, and he goes, oh, the surface of this planet is much different than I anticipated. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, you're an idiot for Christ's sakes. you got to know what fucking water is on Krypton, for Christ's sakes. Building blocks of civilization. Well, that's the, that's the whole thing with just, like, the campiness of it. It's one thing, like, it's kind of funny, whatever, that, and then all of a sudden he flies up to it. And, but Terrence Stamp, like, like you're saying, is, he is one of the greatest villains of all time. And I think... Like we're saying, if we're doing a redo at this point, you're keeping that motherfucker in it. I could, Zod and Ursula could have been anybody. I like the characters, really could have been anyone, those two or whatever. But Zod has to be Terrence Stamp and he, 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 give me more of them. Like give me, you know, like that, that's, this is the opportunity. If you're doing a redo, give me more Zod. I, 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 I quite like Ursa. I think she's me too. a- I think she's a badass looking chick, like just visually. And I like her voice. Non is a, you know, and I like the way that Down says, you know, play him up more as a monster. He's an intimidating looking motherfucker. Non, I, I, I got no problem. But you're right. I mean, he's a bit disposable as an actor, but the guy that they chose looked pretty good. Uh, so yep. I, I, I don't think we're necessarily uh, going to poo poo on any casting, but you know, as we alluded to here, as we get into direction, uh, this is a bit of a clusterfuck already because, uh, you know, Richard Lester is credited as the director, but it's largely known that Richard Donner is the uncredited, you know, ghost director of a lot of scenes. Which ones he did, which ones he didn't, who knows? I mean, let's uh, get them on the podcast next week. But, fellas, are, are we saying, what do you think here? Uh, are, do, does the director... Is, is he or they at fault or do we put the onus on the script writers? And they are the following gentlemen, uh, Mario Puzo, David Newman and Leslie Newman. Guys, uh, Downs, is it script or director that's the problem here? I think the guy for the job at the time was Richard Donner, uh, following up on the success of Superman 1. I don't think anyone else could have done this. I don't think it'd be the movie we wanted with him, so I think we have to talk to the writing staff about that. Does everyone agree on that, Christian? What do you think? Is, is well, the script I, what's wrong? I, 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 from what it sounds like, because I have never seen the Donner cut, it's always been on my list, and for what Downs is describing, it sounds like the direction that he wanted to go it seems a bit more in line with what I would like. And it sounds like he was taking just the elements from the script that he wanted. So what am I trying to say here? I'm saying that I, w I would like Donner to have directed the whole thing without being friggin' fucked around with. And a lot of the crap that the writers put out would not have made it on screen regardless. 
So, uh, Andrew, what are you thinking? Writers or director at fault? Um, I'm going to say, I'll, I'll probably say writers because I didn't like the whole love story, which obviously the director's not just going to put in there. Um, Donner's got some blame, but minor stuff. Like I'm saying that Superman not being manly enough, things like that. Uh, but yeah, writers. Yeah, I think that I would agree too that it, it feels like the major faults uh, lie with the writers. But I, this film, when we were, uh, you know, when you look back at it, if no one had ever told you that there was turmoil behind the scenes, you could have almost told it. I mean, you could have almost guessed it. I mean, like uh, that, that we now know that there was a uh, Donner leaving another director coming in halfway, midway through. It's kind of evident. It's, it's a bit of a mess. But uh, I think if they just stuck with one director, that might have worked. But, that, I mean, that script. I, like, let's be honest here. Mario Puzo, this is the guy that uh, wrote The Godfather. He was also he also worked on the uh, super the original Superman film. But, I mean, God, I mean, I might get lynched for this. But what the fuck? Is, is this guy a, a superhero fan? Because it just doesn't feel like it at all. I mean, based off of this screenplay, you know, it just, it, it seems, it's just a mess. I think the screenwriters are largely at fault because they're the ones that came up with a lot of this bullshit. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, going back really quickly, this movie holds together, um, as far as, uh, like being fairly seamless for having two directors directing at two different times. And I think there's a lot of credit to be, given to to maybe to Lester and, uh, you know, I guess to, to Donner for what he originally shot for keeping it kind of together. Uh, but like you're saying, let's let's throw the blame where it lies. And that's the screenplay. I don't know. I mean, I, in, my, in my opinion of this film, every pretty much everything where Margot Kidder and Christopher Reeve are together in a scene can be thrown out the fucking window. Mm-hmm. Anytime you see friggin the, the three Kryptonian criminals or actually no opening scene in Paris. Awesome. Uh, on the moon. Awesome. When they landed that little friggin' country town, I thought that was awesome as well. Uh, friggin' fight Metropolis, awesome White House shit, awesome. And then basically everything else with her and him in it is just friggin' garbage. And that so ruins Chris- the movie. Okay, so Christian, then you, uh, you, you said that off the top, you're going back to it. What is your suggestion then? Because Lois has to be in the movie. I think Lois inherently, even based on the first, it doesn't mean even if there's a first movie. I mean, in the mythos of fucking Superman, everybody knows Superman and Lois Lane, they got a thing that's not really defined, but they got a thing, you know? At one point, she could have been not seen until the, the part where, uh, the criminals came into the Daily Planet and said, and Luther, all Luther would have to say is like, she knows Superman, and everyone would be like, yep, she sure does, and taking her away. And that's mm-hmm. it. Okay, but then we get into uh, a major issue that Superman is relegated to just a minor part in his own movie because then the movie just becomes about the Kryptonian criminals. Yeah, so I have a solution for that is I think that we need to have a different villain at the beginning of this movie who occupies and sets up kind of a day in the life of Superman and Lois's relationship kind of, you know, uh, you know, now that it's been a little while since the first movie, it's just, you know, there's, there's someone else is robbing a bank or something. And we just see, or, you know, or maybe there's some mid-level villain. Maybe it's Lex. Maybe he's got a bigger role. He's doing something, you know, so it, it gives Superman something to do before the Kryptonians get there. And then, you know, and because we've taken out the whole love story, which is, as I said, the first hour of the movie, we replace that with, you know, the ending of another villain or something, I think. You, you end that, you start it high and bring it in low, and then kick off with the Kryptonians up in, you know, 
in, in you know in a in a highway if you get what I'm doing. Yeah, that's that's a really good idea because essentially just at the end of the movie when you think he's probably forgotten about whatever B level villain was earlier, instead of freaking Clark Ken walking in that goddamn diner and beating up a fucking human being, he beats up a freaking villain. Yeah, I yeah. still that we'll lose that part, but that part's kind of funny where he just says, "I've been." Uh, oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. It it's basic. Me. I used to like it as a kid. It's comedic, but it's as far as in, in relation to the character, it's fucking horrible. Of course. Yeah. It's that, a crime I mean, against nature they did that. Yeah. But, guys, I, I'm going to have to disagree on that because I, I think what's pivotal to the Kryptonian criminals is the is how Soups is unaware of them. If he yeah. if he doesn't have something to distract him, then uh, their story changes dramatically. Well, he could he could easily be distracted by what Downs is saying by a criminal off world or something. Yeah, yeah. Or or what happens is is that if we're taking out the love story, that's no, a but major. See, okay, so we're taking it out completely. See, and off the top, I said that Soups uh, still has the relationship with Lois and get and maybe leaves somewhere with her, focusing on her, but doesn't okay. reveal him. But but so but so what you can do is you can pick that up midstream and have them. I just think you start you need to start with a little bit more action, and then so he he takes time off with her or something, and then the yeah. Kryptonians come in. Do why don't you do both? Have have Superman save Lois from a B level criminal, take her away, and he's thinking to himself. Man, I, I, you almost got killed. Uh, I was very nervous. I realize I've got feelings for you. Let's spend a little time together. Look at my boner. Oh shit, I missed out on all these criminals. That's a great, Andrew. Thank you. Someone hire this man. That's a great idea. So you almost do the Christopher Nolan, uh, scarecrow tactic where he put, he inserts him in the, you know, subsequent Batman films. Yeah, so that's put, exactly, exactly what you do. So you put another villain in off the top. Uh, that then that terror that Superman can deal with, throw some action action at the beginning, and then Lois gets near dead, and Soups realizes, oh my god, I need to protect her. Like so, and and that then he goes a bit too far. Distra- he's distracted from the Kryptonian criminals and Star Wipe, and we're out. Unless uh, you could think of something really really ingenious, which has Lex Luthor taking. Uh, Lois Lane and doing something and then eventually somehow tying that in to the three criminals being there and he's been tied up with Luther and, and Lois and blah, blah, blah. But anyway. Well, well, that's what I said. Like you could have Lex doing something off the top, you know, and, you know, almost, almost kills, uh, Lois and Clark gets away and that's just sets up again the idea of continuing on from the first movie. This is what life is for Superman. And so, you know, he's, he's jaded into losing Lois and it's like, you have no idea what badass is. Now these three Kryptonians come along. You know what I mean? It almost sets them up even tougher and badassier. Badassier. <laughs> that's it. We'll actually put that on the movie poster, in fact. As well. And then clean up that fight in the Fortress of Solitude for Christ's sakes as well. Yeah. You know what, we, why, why do you need that? You you don't need the Fortress of Solitude anymore. I think. No, well, you do need. Well, you, you need, you need a way. You need a way. Superman needs a way to legally beat the three of them. And so, what I was thinking is, is if you do get back to the fortress, it's not such a bad idea. But maybe there's some kryptonite there or something, you know, that he's got in place. And that instead of the whole power well, switching, is something no, like but, that that is okay. There's, so there's a good idea. That's sorry. Uh, if we're taking out that element of Soup's doesn't lose his powers, that changes the ending. Thanks, Downs. That's a good. That's a good point. But doesn't Superman in the comic books and everything, doesn't he have 
some sort of way to capture criminals into the Phantom Zone again? Well, for sure. But let's let's assume that the Phantom Zone was destroyed by the nuclear bomb or the atomic bomb, depending on which edit you look at. And Superman has to figure it out. This is Superman. He can figure it out, right? And you can figure out a way that either he separates them from each other and takes them on one by one, or guess what? These guys don't realize that um, kryptonite is bad for them. They just found out they have powers. So Superman somehow has to get someone on his side, like Lex Luthor, to expose these guys to kryptonite to help him. Well, but that, that's why I think you could you can do that at the fortress. That's not such a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, fortress. essentially, have Superman not friggin' fl- forget all that bullshit where Superman flies away and everyone goes, "Hey, he's a chicken shit. He flew away." Just basically, have, I don't know, fly up to Lois. Says, "Listen, I got to get out of here." The friggin' Kryptonian criminals—they're harming the people. I got to go, and then he'll fly off, and they have the. The Kryptonian criminals just basically follow immediately after him without these whole yeah. sides. Like, yeah, he's a chicken shit. He's a chicken shit. Yeah, build you in a chase. Mean? Don't have them say, he's scared of us. And like, and like, yeah. have them like terrorize. Just, yeah, go after him. Like, flying across freaking North America, going underneath the St. Louis, you know, arch and shit like that. And then end up in freaking the Fortress of Solitude. That's a great idea where he move, Superman moves the fight from Metropolis yes. to, to the, uh, to the Fortress of Solitude. And then they can continue the battle on this on that journey so that yeah, or, that that's yes. a that, that's a or, great idea or someplace so, uh, less populated like canada yeah like north pole the north pole yeah um but okay so guys did you do we agree with bloom on the uh exposing the villains to crypt uh to kryptonite do we do we send them back into the phantom zone uh what, what christian what do you think I think there's there's got to be a little friggin' fisticuffs at the Fortress of Solitude, but ultimately I think it, it, there should be like real good punching, and then somehow he basically gets the kryptonite revealed to them somehow, whatever which way is it's done. I'm fine with that. I think there still has to be a little him, you know, tough guying it up with these two in the Fortress of Solitude. Well, all three of them. He's he can punch Ursa. I mean, he's Superman. Oh, yeah, all three of them. But you know, it, what I'm it saying, needs though. to be it needs to be big, and that's why. Part of my problem with going to the Fortress of Solitude is that your de- level of destruction goes down significantly. Um, although smart by Superman to get people away, you want to yeah. you want to see destruction. So maybe you can have a bit more of that in Manhattan. Or and, and if you're really a fan of it, you could keep that whole scene at the end where L- Luther says, "Hey, this is kryptonite. This will kill Superman and probably you guys." Put him in the chamber. This will kill him. Blah blah blah, and keep you safe. And they still do the switcheroo, which is come on. If there's any piece of architecture on the fucking planet that needs destruction, is that goddamn ugly fortress of solitude? For Christ's sakes, why it's yeah. so comfortable and and nice? Oh my god, fucking bust that thing up for crying out loud! Well, so like I, I think what you would do is you know at one point Superman must pretend like he's retreating, and you know they're they they're flying in through the fucking ice caps of Fortress of Solitude. Meanwhile, he's going for something they think is like a weapon, and it's and it, it is it's like kryptonite or something, or it's something that he can use to put them back in the in the Phantom Zone. You know, yeah, one of the crystals, so he, one of the magic crystals for crying or, out loud. Yeah, or or if it brings them both back to, <laughs> you know, if they're both exposed, or Superman's willing to expose himself to kryptonite to fight them on the same level, which is more of a mortal type thing maybe that becomes an exciting battle right there because as superheroes they can't really be destroyed right like they, they punch each other and do whatever and and all this but as soon as they're exposed to kryptonite they can be harmed but maybe superman puts himself in harm's way a little bit as well yeah but well, realizes he can destroy them at that point 
Well, I mean, that I, these are all, these are all good ideas. And I, I agree that final battle needs to change definitely. Uh, and either way, Superman's going to have tools at the fortress of solitude, be it kryptonite or, uh, you know, the, uh, phantom zone ray, which I think he, they have in the comics, like I said, uh, cause that, I mean, those are logical ways as opposed to this taking away their powers idea. Yeah. yeah um, that's terrible. All right. So I'm thinking, uh, we've almost redid Superman two. So let's, let's see how this, uh, shakes out. So, uh, right here is the atomic geeks redo of Superman two. One, too much romance. Dial back the goddamn love story. The first hour of this movie should not be a fucking Jennifer Aniston rom-com, for Christ's sakes. And let's not have Lois discover that Soups is Clark. Completely unnecessary and not even needed in the second movie, for Christ's sakes. Uh, Superman does not lose his powers. Uh, that is completely against character. And why the fuck would his parents provide that uh, option for the Fortress of Solitude. Dumb, dumb. Uh, uh, here's a suggestion. Add another villain, maybe even Lex Luthor, for example, for the start of the film to amp up some action instead of that love story. And that could, and maybe have Lois almost get hurt. And Soups then focuses on her uh, protection by missing out and potentially ignoring the threat of three Kryptonian criminals. Tone down the camp. Okay, we know it's the 80s, but honestly, do we need people on roller skates and talking on phones during an epic battle scene in downtown Metropolis? Pretty goddamn dumb. Uh, let, we want to definitely keep the final battle scene between, uh, the three Kryptonian criminals and soups. We like the idea that it happens at the Fortress of Solitude, but get rid of all this fucking with the Superman uh, mythos. We don't need these extra powers of, of f- finger levitation and a gigantic Jelly S logo. Let them just have the the kryptonite powers and fight. Let them have a slugfest at the goddamn Fortress of Solitude and Superman uh, provide a resolution to stopping the villains by either using some kryptonite or use a ray to send back these villains into the Phantom Zone. Who knows? It's his Fortress of Solitude. He has those things. Also, uh, let's fire these goddamn scriptwriters. Mario Puizo, goddamn it, you keep writing uh, Italian mobsters, but stay away from Superman. And if it were at all possible, in a, you know, keep Richard Donner as the director of this movie. We don't need two directors mucking this up. So there you go. That is the Atomic Geeks redo of Superman 2. I can tell you that was tough to do, but I think we were successful. All right. Let's move on to our Atomic Picks. Atomic Picks. Mike Downs. Okay, my Atomic Pick is for a TV show that I heard about from one of the Atomic Geeks on the Atomic Geeks forum. 
have you check those out, the Atomic Geeks forums. Uh, this show is called Person of Interest. It stars uh, Jim Caviezel, I think he is, uh, Jesus himself from that movie where he played Jesus. Um, and it's got the guy who played Ben, the bad guy from Lost in it. So this show is pretty fucking cool. We talked about this on the uh, our show about fall tv it's kind of weird how the computer works but it's actually good the jim caviezel guy jesus guy he's like the punisher he kicks massive ass this show's cool check it out it's called uh enemy of one no uh person of interest (laughs) person of interest (laughs) and you love it (laughs) and i like it it's my favorite the root beer is kicking in now folks christian nielsen uh, my atomic pick this week is a comic book, an actual, a first issue floppy of a comic book. God knows how long it's been since I've done that. Uh, I bought a floppy of this comic book. I also bought a digital version in support of this uh, comic book. And the title of this comic book is called Spaceman by one of my favorite writer artist teams, Brian Azzarello and Eduardo Risso. Uh, of a hundred bullets fame. Uh, I don't want to say too much about this friggin' story. Uh, dystopian future, reality TV, genetic engineering, and a little bit of outer space. I like this comic a lot. It's only going to be nine issues, but right now it is only 99 cents. If you go to a comic store, pay 99 cents and buy it. If you have an iPad or whatever fucking device you buy through Comixology, you can get it for only 99 cents, and that's worth it enough to check out this fabulous first issue of Spaceman. Andrew Bloom. Uh, I was, uh, uh, well, I'm not going to say lucky. I went to go see In Time at the theaters this weekend, the new Justin Timberlake, Amanda Seyfried uh, movie, if that's how you pronounce her name. I struggled whether or not this was going to be a pick or a pan. I kind of lie in the middle of this one. I will say this. Justin Timberlake's actually a pretty decent actor uh, when he's in films, and that Amanda Seyfried, am I saying that correctly, is pretty hot, and there's a, a nice little strip poker scene in it with her. The concept is very decent, um, but I would say get this one on DVD. Don't spend your hard-earned money in the theater because that shit's expensive, uh, but it's de- it's okay. All right, and uh, three Atomic picks for me, but I'll make these very quick. want to thank... Uh, our friends at Warner Brothers for sending over a copy of the Blu-ray of Batman Year One. That's the uh, new animated film where they're doing a, a transfer of the classic Frank Miller story. Really good stuff. Love DC Animation and how they're now uh, adapting comic book stories. Not my favorite of the ones uh, that I, I have seen of these, but pretty good. And look out. Batman The Dark Knight Returns is on its way soon. Can't wait for that. Uh, number two is I caught the the first episode of Fox's new animated film or animated show. Uh, what is it? Alan Gregory. Uh, and th- this is by Jonah Hill. And holy shit, this is funny. Good uh, good addition to the uh, the animation lineup on Fox. Check it out. And finally... We talked, I believe it was back in our fall TV preview about the two TV shows that are basically ripping off our, one of our favorite comic books, Fables. I've seen both of them now. It's Grimm and Once Upon a Time. Grimm, uh, is from a couple of the guys that worked on Angel and it feels a little bit like that. First episode is a little shaky. It's about a guy who is basically in the last line of the guys that are Grimm's who hunts 
uh, the fables who are real. So it's basically a cop drama where all the villains are fables. Uh, it's okay. The other one is called Once Upon a Time. Uh, and I have to tell you, I, I don't mind this one. It's a, it's a little schmaltzy. It, it basically, uh, shows what happens in the fairy tale world and then how the wicked queen cast a spell that then put them all in the real world. So it, you, you're, you're kind of flashing back to all of these fables now trapped in the real world and they don't realize they are the fables. And then how they, uh, what their former lives were like back in this fairy tale land. Little schmaltzy drama, desperate housewivesy when they're back in the real world. But I gotta tell you, the fairy tale stuff is pretty cool. So if there's nothing like it on television, I can assure you that. So they're not fables, but folks, I would recommend checking out Once Upon a Time. Uh, so that's gonna do it for episode 100. And 37 of the Atomic Geeks podcast. Next week, uh, our host is going to be Christian Nielsen. What is coming up? Next week on the Atomic Geeks podcast, the Atomic Geeks are going to try to kill James Bond. Whoa, I've always wanted to kill that jackass. Uh, and uh, I should note, if you don't know, we have a sister podcast in the Atomic Geeks podcasting network. That's the Nerd Lunch Podcast. Let's see what they have on deck on their show. Hey, geeks and geek fans. This week on the Nerd Lunch Podcast, we get flocked and scented as we talk about early 80s He-Man toys. Break out the patchouli oil and half your power sword and head over to download the Nerd Lunch Podcast on iTunes. You have the power. My God, my life would be incomplete if I do not listen to that. You should, too. All right, and then you can find us and all sorts of places. All of us are on Google+. Plus. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Look for the Atomic Geeks. And, of course, go to theatomicgeeks.com. That's going to do it for episode 137. After that is 138. Perhaps after that is 139. But for now, goodbye. You've just listened to another episode of the Atomic Geeks. Visit us at theatomicgeeks.com. Production by Andrew Bloom. Title track by Don't Look Down. I'm going to take uh, absolutely no segue. End <laughs> <laughs> this uh, this terrible little tangent we're creating and move into tonight's topic. So let's get going. Alf, Joni, and Chachi. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to start again. Uh, sorry, I actually did that wrong. So let's get into tonight's topic. Joey and <laughs> Alf! <laughs> Sorry. Silver spoons. <laughs> oh! Let's move on to our atomic picks, fellas. <laughs> face to face, a couple of silver spoons. Anyway. I'm gonna, be- I, I bet you if you went back to our catalog of episodes, you've sang that song probably about 11 <laughs> times during that. Hoping to find we're two of a kind. <laughs> that is basic, that's basically that's, your, your That's not him telling song. you to sing more of it, Kristen. Together! Him. We're gonna find our way. Guitar solo. <laughs> All right. Someone shut him up now for a minute. I am. Uh, Airwolf. Hardcastle McCormick. <laughs> Magnum PI. I'm stopping. I'm on the record for stopping. All right.
<laughs> Let's move on to tonight's topic. 